Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. Rebel, don't listen to your elders. Don't listen to some, even someone like me. We live. Uh, we get, We are given different circumstances than you are. You are. You have the power to shape your own destiny without following the same path that we had to go through. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. I hope you're having a great week. For those of you who listen to the show on a regular basis, thank you so much for listening. It means a lot to me. And for those of you newcomers, welcome. Thanks for subscribing, listening, and passing these episodes off to your friends and family and even people you don't know. It means a lot to me because of you. The show is where it is, how it's doing, and I couldn't have done it without you guys. Truly, truly, your support is humbling. And before I get started with the podcast with Bossom Yusuf Part 2, I just want to let you know that I am going to be in Boston for the Boston Comedy Festival in September, doing a live podcast there, as well as some seminars. Check it out. Uh, And if you're in that area, I'd love to see you. And also at the Montreal Just for Last Festival on July 27th. And that's at 1.30 at the Hyatt Regency. You're going to have a great time if you go. It'll be a live podcast with a special guest who you'll be very happy about. So you can check out there. Tickets are at hahaha.com. I really appreciate seeing if you're in the area. And now, as you know, I always think about things and how they relate to the show and what I've learned about this particular person. And Bassam Yusuf is a guy who truly blows me away. I really didn't know what to expect when I sat across from this guy, but his energy is just so strong. He 
he's a man who's done it all, been through it all, and he would tell you he's got a long way to go. This is a guy who trained for something his whole life, trained to be a heart surgeon, made it through, got to the promised land, got the offer from the United States, and then fate, as it often happens, there was a revolution of sorts in this country. People in the streets, people rebelling against the government in Egypt. And for some unexplained, unknowing reason, he channeled his unhappiness and displeasure with what was going on and got a camera crew and recorded a satirical rant on the government, which ended up getting hundreds of thousands and millions of views. And before he knew it, he was a guy who had gained the following in this country where he couldn't even walk down the street without being recognized. Should he become a heart surgeon and do what he'd been dreaming of doing and going to the United States and making a life for himself? Or should he stay in the Middle East and make a difference to the people there who didn't have a voice? And for him, the choice seemed easy, and he did it. And he went forward and got his own show, which garnered over 30 million people every week watching. Not bad for a guy who no one really knew his name except in medical school hallways. But that's not all. He garners the greatest success you could ever have in the Middle East. Unprecedented. And then what happens? He gets shut down, canceled, because the government can't take the satire. And then he's exiled to this country start a new life here, but not as a heart surgeon, as a comedian, as an actor, as a host, as somebody who's trying to bring his message here to this country. And I don't think it's any clearer to me that whatever profession you're in, if you can figure out a way to stick to what you believe in and go forward pretending that you had all the money in the world and the health of yourself and your family. And I can guarantee you, if you follow those rules, you ride the wave of what you believe in, you will have the possibility of having the kind of career that Bassam Yusuf has. Here we go in three, two. This show will have laughter. I got everybody pregnant with Barry Katz and semen. I'm not comfortable with the tone this is taking. If you're undeniable, you will not be denied. If you want to be successful in showbiz and you get yourself a Jew white manager like Barry Katz. <laughs> Being a manager is just turning no's into yeses. Creating holy shit moments. Uh, undeniable. You fucking firing me up, Katz. I love this man. Is there anything else I should know? You're on. What? Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. Most of the media and most of the sketches and most of the comedy on television that's political 
is anti-Republican, anti-Trump humor. Does it blow you away that a person can be running for office and essentially have almost 100% of all the comedy time on television be aimed against him to take him down? How do you think it's possible that with that level of negative publicity that the guy still was getting a shitload of votes, regardless of whether he should have won or not. First of all, no publicity is bad publicity. And I think sometimes you win by being notorious. The um, cash me outside girl. <laughs> Here's an example of someone who's basically a piece of shit. And she ended up having uh, contracts in the millions, correct? Right, you have you have you 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 can't you can't get enough of these. There's there there are people who get who get very rich just by being notorious. But what the reason that he also won is that he got exposed to so many people out there, and he was having. I think someone did a, a statistics that CNN alone has contributed in 120 billion dollars of ad money because how they were co covering Donald Trump. I remember when his campaign started and nobody was going to his rally and still CNN was covering his rallies when there was no one there and suddenly he became an attraction, he became a spectacle and everybody wanted to go and see him, this buffoon, this clown, and you know what, let's vote for him. But I think ultimately what happened was the Democratic voters got too comfortable in their own skin saying that there's no way he's going to win and 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 the numbers said that he won so many states because basically the Democrats didn't show up to vote. You snooze, you lose, right? Well, what's odd is they had the evidence that if you snooze, you lose, but they still snoozed. Because they are, uh, because it's, it's much more cooler to go out in a women's march wearing pink hats and having like funny uh, signs and appear in television and block traffic for a whole day, but not to go and do the decent thing to go vote. It's not as glamorous. When you were studying to be a surgeon, yes, did you have these thoughts with your friends or this was something that just because of what happened in 2011, just a switch flipped in your brain and you became somebody whose mind worked more politically and before that you weren't thinking in those terms? That is correct. Before 2011, most of Egyptians were politically apathetic. We're very, there's like a political apathy going around because, you know, when you live under, like most of my adult life, I live under the same president for 30 years. So you lose hope and change. It's like, yeah, we talk, of course, about politics, but in a way that nothing would change. But suddenly when you have 2011 happening and everything was up for grabs, everything was uh, was subject to change, now you start to work. And now you get introduced more to the world of politics. Is there any way you'll oblige me and let our audience know, in your opinion, how it seemed to be all of a sudden, even though there's no such thing as all of a sudden, what happened in those 24 to 48 hours that where it all went haywire? I think the one thing, that, that I, I, a good sentence to describe all of this is that 
the elimination of fear. You're afraid of authority and suddenly people saw all of these security forces being uh, walked over by protesters. The big, the boogeyman, the, the, the legend of someone who is indestructible was gone. And that kind of stayed with us for a couple of years later until the boogeyman came back much stronger and crushed everybody. But in this period, people had the hope that like, there's nothing impossible. If we can bring down someone who's been on our backs and on our heads for 30 years, everything was possible. So it's kind of like it was defeating fear and having hope coming back. Sitting across from you, the thing that comes to my mind, first class, you just have this presence that this is what also is such a paradox about you, which I'm trying to wrap my head around. You have angst. It's like you're a guy who I feel could do a pinpointed attack on anybody verbally in a debate and crush somebody like a bug. Yet you're so calming of a presence that anybody would want to be around you and next to you in any crisis. Do you feel like you're living two different lives? Well, thank you so much for the, these amazing compliments. I mean, I, I actually like you have much more faith in me than I have in me. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't know. I think. Uh, I, maybe I have a much more calmer demeanor because of my days as being a surgeon. So I'm much more calm, but yet I um, sometimes uh, I have also much more fiery, uh, um, I don't know, this like uh, style when I speak because I'm, a, I'm also very passionate about what I believe. Uh, you, uh, you will find that when I try to to debate someone who doesn't see it's kind of like i think the most the most frustrating thing that you'll ever be is like having to explain something that you don't have to explain like for example the how equality and diversity is important and people when you we start to to discuss people who are racist by by the way we have our our own share of racist people back home whether they are motivated by nationalism or religiousness you can find me pretty much fired out <laughs> in these debates uh, because I just like, like, how can you not see that like this is important and how can you see that that's not second nature of humans? So yeah, uh, usually I'm very calm, but like it just takes a little bit to fire and kind of like put some fire under my ass. In your country, if people are against Americans, What's the worst thing that they can call somebody from our country? No, no. But first of all, not the idea of like being anti-American is not that like, it's not pre prevalent there. But you come here and you find American movies everywhere. So even people who are anti-American, as you might, they were more anti-American policies, but they're not anti-American people. As a matter of fact, the same people who would find that anti-American, they are dying to get a visa to come here and live their life. You will find horrible people everywhere. And you will find people, as you would say, pretty much anti-American. But even those, they were not going to attack you in the streets. 
and you'll find people who are dying to come here to America. There, you cannot. It's like saying, for example, all Americans are racist. That's not true. Not all Americans are racist. They're not all Americans hate Muslims. Not all Americans hate Arabs. There are good people and bad people everywhere. But going back to your question about the slang, the slang is do we do our this the 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 the, the uh, insulting slang is it, it it has to be more of sexual identity more than anything. You call someone gay, that's the worst thing that you can call anybody. And that it's not it doesn't have to do anything with the color of skin in the Middle East. I yes, think. because being gay or being anti non not not a man is something that is bad. The the equally bad is to call someone a slur, cursing his mother, having some a, a slur that is directed to your mom. That's the worst thing that you can tell someone. Even worse than being gay. So these are two things, which is interesting because when you call someone the N-word, you are attacking his identity. Where, but back in the Middle East, the worstler is basically attacking something that's related to sexuality. So either taking down the honor of your mom or taking down the honor of your manhood. It's interesting, right? To see how different cultures uh, view what is insulting and what's not. If you call someone there the N-word or black doesn't mean anything. It just, we don't understand it. We don't get the, the racial impact because of the, we don't have the same history that was, that was related to this kind of word. But it always has to be sexuality and honor and, and how less of a man you are. Hey everybody, let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Hey everybody, I wanna tell you about a great product called Boku Superfoods. I just got back from Ohio and met with the owners of the company and I was just incredibly blown away by it. They have the purest, most potent, and delicious superfood blends on the planet. It's just in these incredible powders where you just add any liquid you want, water, make smoothies. It's just so good and so healthy. Certified organic, kosher, and vegan, Boku Superfood is changing the game for 
thousands of people all over the world. And I'm confident it'll change your life. So much so that I worked out an unbelievable deal with the owners. You'll be able to get a full week's worth of Boku Superfood for free. All you got to do is pay minimal shipping and you can join the Boku Love Life loyalty team. Just go to tryboku.com and experience the difference of how it makes you look and feel. And you will understand why Boku is the number one family-owned superfood company in the world. When I interviewed Caitlyn Jenner, mm -hmm. one of the things that shocked me is she said that she never met a transsexual person until she was 65 years old. Mm -hmm. Are you saying to me that it's so taboo in your country that most people who live there have never met somebody who's gay? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So when you came here, you were coming back and forth from here, so mm -hmm. you were exposed to an alternative populations in different mm -hmm. places. How did your upbringing, I know you said your mother was pretty liberal and but but how did your upbringing and the people you're around affect you but even if you're liberal back in the middle east you're still going to have negative uh, ideas about people from different sexual orientation i did have those negative effects ne negative thoughts when i was growing up i wasn't uh, open to that kind of uh, sexual identity uh, sexual identities so the first was... gay person you met how old were you i can't even remember i can't even remember but i remember my thoughts about like being uh, alienated, not welcoming, uh, not something that I would stand uh, to for them to have their freedom. Uh, I, I I wasn't I didn't have any violent thoughts against them, but I just like have a, 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 I didn't accept that kind of notion. Did you have to like you said you retrain yourself with comedy? Did you have to retrain yourself in this country to be able to be the best representation of yourself? No, I think that actually started back in Egypt because when you had a revolution, now the revolution was not just a revolution of throwing rocks and trying to take down authority. A revolution is a revolution of thoughts and minds. And I had to, a lot of people were affected by revolution by accepting things that were not accepted before. Uh, because when you you have to understand that oppression is an oppression for all. And if you, you, if you're, how come you're oppressed and you still gonna practice your oppression against a certain group of people because of their sexual identity or because of their religion? There's one thing that you, you understand is freedom should be freedom for everybody. And freedom of expression should not be limited to a certain group of people or be withheld against a certain group of people. And this is what I started to actually change my mind and understand what freedom really means. Because other people, whether they are driven by nationalism or religiousness, they ha want a tailor-made freedom that allows them freedom, but take it away from other people. And that's what I was, that, that, and that retrained me, if you want to say, to change my mind. One of the things you talked about that sort of ties in here, you talked about how most things are tied into money and most things have to do with money and that allow things to happen. Whenever there's money involved in anybody, chances are 
there's a possibility that things can swing. Example, if I tell a comedian, listen, there's a job hosting the porn awards. You're going to be around all these beautiful women. It's going to be incredible, but it pays $20,000. There's going to be many artists who are going to turn it down. But then if it's $100,000, then they might be like, eh, well, I guess porn isn't so bad. I could really use that 100000 or whatever. And money is normally an influencer in so many different things. That's why, since you are in the comedy business, there's only one person in our profession that I know of where money never made him change his ways, and that's Dave Chappelle, a guy who turned down $50 million and said, you know what, I'm going to bet on myself. Now, you have a quality of Dave Chappelle, and this is why I'm bringing it up, because you turned down a set offer of a career of what people believed in you. Chappelle turned down something where the evidence suggested, based on more DVDs sold than The Simpsons, that he was on to something. The letters accepting you, you were on to something. Now, you didn't turn down $50 million, but you turned down a career that you spent well over a decade honing. But I also turned out actually as close as half of that kind of amount of money, too. <laughs> I, uh, there's like, it's, there's, I, not just like I, I, I did turn down uh, the medical career, but also after I got famous and I had my own show, after I escaped from my country, I was offered millions of dollars many times from authority to come back to the show and do a show that is accepted by an authoritarian regime so they can tell everybody that we have democracy. They came to me one time, two times, three times, four times, every time increasing their offer of huge amount of money to come back have all of the safety and the guarantees offered by the military regime and just to do your comedy, but stay away from certain topics that we can decide together what can you do and not do. And I refused that many times. So this, I, they, they, that was like, you're talking about like salaries, like close to that, not $50 million, but pretty much close to that in, in the past three, four years. And I, I, basically told them to go fuck themselves because I cannot be a makeup on the face of the regime. And the way they retaliated is they sent hecklers to my show in London and in Paris, the Egyptian embassy hired people to come and heckle my show as a way to retaliate. And that actually was written, that was written about in the New Yorker. Uh, a reporter from the New Yorker came and he was there and he saw it for himself. So I'm not making this up. And I, said, I'm going to come here and I'm going to reinvent my career in a different language and a different uh, audience, different references. And I know that I'm not, never going to be paid this kind of money ever. But at least you you earn your self-respect. Could you say that again a different way? Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> you said, I will never make that kind of money here. I hope so. <laughs> I, I hope I make that kind of money here. That's better. I, I hope so. But, but like, it's just like when people, when you, people offer you a total of over $20 million over three, four years and you, you put it down 
And $20 million in the Middle East can go way, way more than it can go back here. That's you're talking about like, you have to multiply that by 20. Again, this is the dumb American speaking. When you say they sent hecklers to my show, I'm thinking to myself, hecklers to a show? Why don't they just send five guys to beat him up so he can't even move before a show. It has to be because here's here this is this is the this is a technique that was very pretty much used from the fifties and the sixties. This is like kind of like old Soviet Union technique. So that the the plan was basically send people, five or six people, starting a riot, uh shout at me on stage and having someone recording it with a with a with a cell phone. And then they get a nice 20 seconds out of that. And then they send it to the state-run media shows. And then under, uh, under the uh, title of Egyptians abroad are rejecting Basim Yusuf. So they will tell people that, he either, that I'm not loved anymore. And just like regular Egyptians who are loyal to the leadership and they, they hate my message. So it is, it is, that would, if I, if I was beaten up, they would have victimized me. But if they show that I'm not popular and I'm rejected by people, it means that whoever you think this guy is, is not relevant anymore. So basically this is. Did this it is, work? Of course, it, it, it backfired because here's the thing about dictatorship. Actually, this is the thing about incompetence. Thing is, in people in authoritarian regimes in the Middle East are incompetent in every in everything, including dictatorship. They're not very good dictators. <laughs> so you're saying that never happened where that government or any government in the Middle East sends somebody to take somebody out? No, it did. It, it happened, of course. So why didn't they take you out? Because the price they're gonna pay is too high. What's the price? Because at the end of the day, they don't want to make any problem on a foreign land. Who knows what happened? You could have been run over by accident. All right, let's not put ideas in their heads, <laughs> all right? <laughs> hey, everybody, we have a new sponsor that I'm really excited about, For Hims. It's a one-stop shop for men regarding hair and sexuality and much, much more. It's common knowledge that we guys don't take care of ourselves as well as women do. For instance, 66% of all men lose their hair by age 35, but don't notice it until it's too late. But now there's a product that could prevent balding altogether. Forhims.com offers a wide range of products for hair loss, skin care, and other wellness supplements for men. Forhims.com will connect you with real doctors and medical grade solutions to prevent hair loss fast. So order now and get a special deal offered only to my listeners and go to forhims.com slash Barry, that's B-A-R-R-Y, and you'll get a trial month of Forhims for just five bucks. This would normally cost you hundreds of dollars. So just visit forhims.com slash Barry and get the deal of a lifetime. And I guarantee you, you will not regret it. Hey, everybody. I know I've talked a lot on this show about AquaTrue, the countertop water purification system that's literally a miniature water cooler purifier that's on your counter. It's only about maybe 
10 to 12 inches high and maybe 10 to 12 inches wide in this triangle. It's this amazingly efficient piece of equipment that sits right on your counter. It has a nice pitcher, it has a press button where the water comes out and it gives you the best tasting water you can ever imagine for pennies. You just put your tap water in there and it purifies, it takes out all the bad chemicals, everything out and gives you the best tasting water you can ever imagine that would cost you hundreds and hundreds, even thousands of dollars each year from buying bottled water in the store where the plastic containers hurt the environment. It's just so much easier, so much better. And this product is amazing. I have one, everyone who comes over, everyone who uses it, they order one. And you should too, I'm telling you, it's incredible. And if you act now, you can get $100 off when you go to industrystandardwater.com and just type in the promo code Barry, that's B-A-R-R-Y. And you'll immediately get the huge discount and start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had. Industrystandardwater.com, promo code Barry. And you'll never, ever waste another dollar buying another bottle of water for your home again. I want to go way, way back for a little bit. Take me back to where you were born, where you grew up. What was the socioeconomic dynamic of your family, your brothers and sisters? And then even before the revolution and even before John Stewart, what was your first inspiration or even a little bit of a germ somewhere that you saw somewhere that said, you know, I'm going to do this other thing, but there's something about entertainment. So uh, I was born in Cairo, born to a middle-class family. My father was a judge. My mom was a university professor in, in, in management. And I was a, 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 like a doctor. I was a doctor and my brother was um, an engineer. And this is pretty much like the height of any social status, a doctor or an engineer in the Middle East. Because in the Middle East, you're allowed to, do, to be one of three things, a doctor, an engineer, or a disappointment. So, <laughs> so this is... this is Sounds like a Jewish family. Exactly. Ex we actually sound, we are pretty much, if we had uh, another brother who was uh, a lawyer or a dentist, we'd be almost Jewish. So we, we, this is, this is what we've grown up with, you know, very, uh, auto, autocrat kind of family, you know, going in, having a career, get married. This is what was expected of you. And that was the no social norm. Um, I grew up, you know, walk, uh, watching American entertainment all the way from the Muppet show, uh, friends, Frasier, uh, Seinfeld. Uh, you know, American movies would just be in in our theater just like two weeks after they release in the United States. You know, we watch we watch all kinds of movies from Superman, Batman, all the way to Shawshank Redemption and The Usual Suspect. Were there any movies that were not allowed to be shown in your country? I think movies with too much nudity. <laughs> That's the, you know, the, and if they would show they would just like edit the hell out of it. But, you know, the, the blockbusters in America were the blockbusters in Egypt, you know. 
Egypt is a, a, Cairo is a pretty much metropolitan city, so we didn't we, we didn't have that much of a disconnect from what's happening in the United States. Your favorite comedy movie, your favorite dramatic movie. Shawshank Redemption always comes at top together. That's why I mentioned him, the, the movie and The Usual Suspects. I think they are like amazing movies. And uh, comedy, is, uh, I, I, you know, I think Frasier is one of them, like the smartest comedy, uh, sitcom comedy, uh, sitcoms ever. And, um, and also, you know what, The Muppet Show is pretty smart too. I think like, actually I enjoy it when I watch it as an, uh, as an older person than I was like a younger person. Is I it funnier with the voices dubbed or without them dubbed? Oh, no, no, we, they were never dubbed. Nowhere in the country? No, 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 we don't, we don't dub movies, we subtitle. So we never, it's not, it's not, we're not like Germany. We subtitle the movies. So, um, so th this is the, the kind of uh, atmosphere I, was, uh, I grew up with. I was, uh, I was a nerd, but I was also good at sports. And I can't say that like somewhere there was a click that I wanted to do comedy or entertainment, but like I just, I was a little bit more vocal everywhere I went. And uh, sometimes I would be too vocal for my own good, especially in medicine, uh, because in you know in in medical school and in the medical profession, it's more of a hierarchy like the army. You're not really allowed to speak up, and I wouldn't let get you know shut my mouth, and that would put me in trouble. <laughs> so give our audience an example of something that you would question authority on. So basically, as you know, uh, in I wouldn't, I would kind of like sometimes speak back against my professor when they would ask something that is outside of the uh, job description that I was as a resident. And that would put, a lot of people would consider me as disrespectful and I would consider that uh, a right to speak up. And uh, that's why I was not very popular to work with many of the professors because I thought I was that I was too spoiled while I was just like speaking back. And um, that is that is one of the things that kind of got me into a lot of trouble. So uh, it seems like more of a relief when I got this job offer that I want to get out of that community. <laughs> One, two, Six degrees of separation. Six degrees of separation. I'm going to mention some things, some names, say a word, a sentence, a story, mm -hmm. anything. Outcast. Uh, yeah, I felt like an outcast trying to do comedy in the most uh, uh, unlikely times in, in my country. Uh, I was viewed as an infidel when I was making fun of the Islamist in government, and I was viewed as a traitor when I made fun of the army. And I have to say that even some of my family members disowned me. <laughs> Donald Trump. Donald Trump is uh, as much as a, as a, as, as much as he presents a lot of comedic opportunity being too silly, it's sometimes too difficult to make fun of. The destruction of your country. My country is not completely destroyed. We're not like Syria, but 
there is a, a progressive deterioration of the country because of the unopposed control of the army. Stephen Colbert. I had the pleasure of sitting next to him on the couch twice, and I would love to be there as many times as possible. John Oliver. The intellectual of all political satire show. Risk versus reward. The higher, the high, I think that's easy. The highest the risk, the higher the reward, I guess. <laughs> Larry Wilmore. Uh, uh, he's a guru and a teacher, and I had the pleasure to work with him on a pilot for ABC, and I learned a lot of him. Tickling Giants. An amazing movie documentary that was made by Sarah Texler. And it should be considered for the Amy's guys. Please vote. Trevor Noah. I think I, the more that I see him, the more impressed I get. Jim Jeffries. <laughs> he cracks me up just by opening his mouth and listening to his accent. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think he's like, he has like a... a he sounds like a drunk Australian. <laughs> He's just like too funny. <laughs> Living the normal life. Uh, I gave I gave up on that a long time ago. Yeah, I don't think I will live a normal life. <laughs> Difficult to go back to a normal life. Cancellation. Something that I'm used to. John Stewart. Irreplaceable. But doesn't, but, but I just like, I just make sure Trevor Noah is just like an amazing person. He's just like, I think he's emotionally irreplaceable. But Trevor Noah is doing a fantastic job. You've already talked about how the revolution happened and what went down in your videos and you started your own show. But could you take our audience through who's coming to you to do your own show? You don't know anything about production or anything of that nature. You're not a guy who has ever been in front of the camera except for five times. And when they came to you was after your third video. Yet people are coming to you, okay, we want to get you on the set. We want to get writers. We want to get people in. This person's going to do your makeup. This person's doing your hair. We got the lighting person, the sound here. Meet the crew. Who takes you under their wing in Egypt and believes in you in the entertainment business in your country, and when did you know when you were finally on television that I guess I'm meant to do this? Well, it's different in America than the United States. There was no production company that took me under its wing. It is the same amateur people who started the stuff on the YouTube who started, all right, we're going to do it our way. So we started to s assemble people from all walks of life, even people who didn't even work in entertainment. Who's we? Me and the people who started the YouTube videos together. Me and three, four guys who just started doing it. And we started talking to people, interviewing people. And we hired people who were in the television business and we fired them after two months and we went back to the drawing board and got people who were totally amateurs but had passion. And we started doing all of that from scratch. We didn't have any, We did, well, thing is like, because we didn't know what we're going into, we didn't have any fears. 
And this is why we were different. And this is why we succeeded because entertainment business in Egypt was so bad. So we didn't want to go and follow suit the um, playbook of how you do a TV show there. We did it our way. And we just, we succeeded by exact, by breaking all, all the rules. But doesn't a network have to sign on? Yeah, the, the, the network said, all right, this is the money, go do the show. And we took the money and we did the show. That's it. Tell our audience what that money amounted to in American dollars to from cradle to grave to produce each episode uh, on average. Oh, what would that, that be in American dollars? We had less than $5,000 to, or even $3,000 for the first season. And then when we went live to do a live show in production, we were like bleeding money, but it doesn't matter. We just like, we did it. You were like the penny. Yes, exactly. <laughs> hmm. And so when did the network say, okay, I guess we're going to have to pay these guys? Yeah, by the second season. <laughs> Are there agents and managers and lawyers negotiating things for entertainers in your country or? No, not, we, we had to, it's kind of like, uh, we're trying to build a, a, a factory, uh, manufacturing Ferraris in a place that we don't even have roads. That is exactly what was happening. We were doing everything from scratch. Who negotiates your contract? We got a lawyer and we said, all right, I'm going to take this. And he did it for us. <laughs> I just want to take a minute to share another groundbreaking, environmentally sound product with you. It's an unbelievable revolutionary air purifier that will change the way your home operates and it will make your life so much better. It's like no other product you'll ever find in the world. And I'm talking about the Air Doctor. As you know, air inside our homes can be up to a hundred times more polluted than the air outside. And until now, the only thing that could get rid of all these things in your house that were damaging to you and your family were systems that cost thousands and thousands of dollars. That's why I wanted to talk to you about the Air Doctor and share it with you. It removes everything, dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and so many other contaminants that circulate through your home that cover your walls, floors, and furniture. You can get the Air Doctor right now. It's normally $600, and if you don't believe me, check Amazon. But for you guys, for a limited time, I can give you 50% off and save you $300 off the Amazon price. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, B-A-R-R-Y, and get rid of all the bad toxins in your house. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code Barry. I have one of these. I'm telling you, it works. It really, really works. So get one now and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air you can ever imagine. It's truly incredible. It works for me and it'll work for you. Obviously, the government wasn't happy, but you'd think that they weren't happy from episode one. If they really wanted to shut you down, this is another thing I don't understand. If I'm 
want to shut you down. I'm going to shut you down after the first episode. I'm not going to wait three seasons. Yeah, but with the first season, there was an interim government led by the military. And at that time, the wave of the revolution was too high. So they couldn't afford to anger the public. Then the Muslim Brotherhood came. And then they were vicious, but they were not strong enough to take over the whole country. And then the military came where they, and that was season three, where they shut me down after the first episode. And then I found a regional network and then they shut me out down after 11, uh, 11 episodes. So once they, CC came to power, they shut me down. So it kind of like, it was going back and forth. They were kind of like, they could have shut me down any time, but they were waiting to gauge the backlash of the public. And then when they were sure that they were not going to have enough backlash, they did it. When did you notice on the streets, holy shit, people are watching this oh, thing. I'm stopped all over the place. From the second episode on YouTube, people were stopping me taking pictures with me. And then by the time I was in television, I wouldn't even go out sometimes. It was very difficult like, to go in and have a meal in a public place. Did you ever get surprised when people came up to you like you're the most conservative people you could ever see on the street and they say, you're our hero or you're somebody who's made a difference to Or they would come in and discuss my political views and we'll have most of the people who stop me in the streets, they don't stop me for pictures as much as to discuss ideas, which is, you know, it is more time consuming, but it's interesting that people just don't see you a face of a celebrity, but like a, a person you discuss ideas with. And I think that's more valuable. When you were naming the show, tell me all the names on your notepad that you were to choose from, what their meanings were, and how you came up with the name of your show. So I remember, I, I quite vividly remember the 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 brainstorming session of trying to name the show. And I was with the people and uh, people were kind of like trying to use other catchphrases that was there in the 2011. And then I just like, just put a stop and said, we will call this show, the show. Albernamic means the show. And I said like, and everybody objected. It's like, well, I said, no, 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 no. You see, see what's happening right now? Because at that time, after the revolution, there were so many shows coming up and everybody was trying to come up with a catch name, but every single show looks the same. They were very creative with the name and creativity stopped at the name. So we said, we're gonna be the least creative with the name and we're gonna put all our creativity in the show itself. So basically it's a pun of all of these shows trying to come up with names, but they're just like, they look the same. So we are going to sound the same, but we're gonna look different. Talk about how you came up with the inspiration for your book. So um, I was approached by a book agent and by a publishing house and to do to write a, a book about my experience. And I said, maybe the best way to write this book is to lead an American read, lead, uh, reader by the hand into what does it mean to live in, a, in my region and go through a revolution. That's why I, I chose the name Revolution for Dummies because I was not just explaining, hey, a revolution happened. I need to explain to them what was the social premises are. What does it, when, when they hear things like Sharia or Muslim Brotherhood or Sunni and Shia, what does it mean? And I try to kind of like dumb it down to the very, very, very simple ways to, so people can understand. And within that, I would tell my story. 
Tell our audience about the Democracy Handbook. The Democracy Handbook was a, was a, a project that I did with Fusion TV. And that basically, uh, me coming from Middle East uh, to a totally different country and to find out that politics might not be different after all. The same power dynamics, the, fear, the, same, uh, the same fear tactics, and the same uh, strategies used by authorities everywhere. Your proudest moment in show business. My proudest moment in show business when I insisted that we cover a story that everybody was afraid to cover. And this is where the army has announced proudly that they have discovered a cure for AIDS. And I took it on my, as, a, as my mission to tear it down. And everybody was afraid because how dare you make fun of the army? And that's my proudest moment. Your biggest disappointment in show business and how you used it to fuel yourself to the next level. And the biggest disappointment, that's, that's easy, that when I had to give up the show and, and leave, and, uh, and I decided that that should not be the end of me and I have to find a way somewhere else. You are going to send those people a fruit basket because you are going to be huger than you've ever been anywhere else in the world. I, I, I was hoping to send those people my middle finger, but... <laughs> <laughs> Last question. What advice do you have for the young guy who's growing up in another country, all these different social classes, and you're under pressure to either become a doctor or an engineer, and somehow, some way, goes into a profession and, and starts another profession, and... and starts creating his own content and becomes what you become, what advice would you have for somebody to have the kind of career that you're having? Rebel. Rebel, don't listen to your elders, don't listen to some, even someone like me. We live, uh, we, get, we are given different circumstances than you are. You, are. you have the power to shape your own destiny without following the same path that we had to go through. Thank you so much. This has been incredible. You are an amazing man. Thank you. My son in school has been having this problem with this teacher. He questions authority all the time with this one teacher. Yet he doesn't feel like he's being bullied, but she'll say the worst things to him. But he just stands up and says, that's not acceptable, and you can't do that. It's just like, get out of my classroom. That's not acceptable behavior. And when he leaves, he has throngs of people around him because it's like a badge of honor that he goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with this person, and he questions her authority. The school system is afraid to do anything because the teacher has tenure. You talk about it, they can't talk about it because they don't want to lose their point system and their school system. Yet, I thought to myself, should I be upset that he questions authority? And after talking to you, I'm the happiest guy in the world. And let me tell you something. I've been around a lot of comedy. I've been around a lot of people in my life. And you are extraordinary in a world of ordinary. I can guarantee you that. Amazing. Thank you so much. Okay, I'm going to scroll through the list of people who sent me a message, and one of these people will be a lucky winner, and they'll get to attend 
a podcast live with one of my guests, meet them, shake their hand, ask them a few questions, or else if they're out of town, out of state, or out of the country, we'll Skype them in or FaceTime them or anything like that so they can be there. Why not? So let me look here randomly and pick somebody. All right, landing on Logo 17, June 20th, 2018. Heading reads, Best Storytellers Ever, five stars. It reads, We are all storytellers. We carry within us the stories of every emotion we've ever felt. The story of the time we were truly happy, sad, disappointed, excited, hopeful, loyal, courageous, etc. Each story shares an experience, a moment where we were overwhelmed by our feelings. These are the stories of the times when we understood how sometimes even the most verbose and expressive of people can fall short of words to describe their overwhelming emotions. These are the stories that taught us that not all emotions can be accurately described, but these stories gave us benchmarks for the next time we felt this emotion again. Barry's show has the ability to make you a candid storyteller as well as feel all the feels. Please listen and subscribe to his show. Wow. Thank you so much, Logo17. That's incredible. So wonderful. Thank you. You are a winner. And that wraps up part two of our podcast. I just want to thank my incredible partners, starting with Wondery. Check out their lineup of some of the greatest podcasts in the world at Wondery.com. And AquaTrue, the revolutionary miniaturized countertop water purification system that works straight out of the box. Plug it in, fill it with tap water, and immediately it'll turn your faucet into your favorite bottled water for pennies. Get $100 off when you go to industrystandard.com and type in the promo code Barry. Start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had. And you'll save tons of money a year like I have and never buy another bottle of water again. Also, amazing documentary called I Killed JFK, centering on the only living person in history who ever admitted to killing John F. Kennedy. Go to ikilledjfk.com, buy the film, and you also get the rare interviews with five of the last living JFK assassination experts, and I guarantee you it'll change the way you think of the world. The Air Doctor, the groundbreaking portable air purification system, which will change your home environment and overall life for the better. The Air Doctor instantly removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and other contaminants circulating through your home. Normally $600, and if you don't believe me, check Amazon right now. But for you guys, for a limited time, I can offer you 50% off. That's a $300 savings. I got one of these systems, and I'm telling you, it's truly incredible. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and get rid of all the bad toxins in your house and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. And finally, Boku Superfood, the purest, most potent, and delicious superfood blends on the planet. Certified organic, kosher, and vegan, Boku Superfood is changing the game for thousands of people in 65 countries. And I'm so confident it'll change your life that I worked out an incredible deal with the company. Get a full week's worth of Boku Superfood for free. Just pay the minimal shipping. 
Go to tryboku.com and experience the difference of how it makes you look and feel. And you will understand why Boku is the number one family-owned superfood company in the world. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get all the money Drive that fancy car All the people love you Cause you're going far Life is for the dreamers They have all to gain It's never quite over So it all feels so you pick your own poison, dig your own grave down in the valley. A fortune. Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to BarryKatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast. Leave a comment and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support and have a great day.